Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Thank you for Henry sharing with us tonight. And, and we thank you, Lord, for the opportunity we have to be in this place together. We thank you for those who are joining us tonight uh, who cannot be with us. We, we again tonight come before you and we pray for the United States of America. We pray for our president. We pray for the soon-to-be president, for all of our elected officials and leaders. We pray that they might accomplish the purposes. You turn the king's heart like the rivers, and we thank you for that, that your purposes will be done and accomplished, though we do not understand them always. We trust you and we believe you. We pray, Lord, that you might help us tonight as we think about those in our church, many who suffer tonight physically, in the hospitals, others at home, in various kinds of circumstances. We pray for those who have lost their loved ones recently in our church and around, really around the world. How we pray that these days of sickness and death will remind us of the shortness of our life and the importance of following the Lord Jesus Christ with all of our heart and obeying you completely as we'll talk about tonight. Lord, we pray for that one person that you may have put on our heart and mind today, whoever it might be, we pray that we present them to you, whatever their condition and circumstances <clears throat> might be. We ask that your will would be done in their life and that you would accomplish your purposes in them. If they're not a Christian, we pray that you might draw them by the power of the Holy Spirit, bring someone across their path or us across their path so that we might share the gospel with them. They might be saved. <clears throat> we pray for others tonight who have drifted away in these days, uh, who have become angry or bitter, hurted, hurt, hurt others or been felt, felt the pain of being hurt and live with unforgiveness and bitterness. We pray that you might restore them they're believers in Jesus Christ, that they might experience revival in their hearts and that they might forgive those as you forgive us. We thank you, Lord, for the Word of God. All flesh is grass, but the Word of God endures forever. We thank you that your Word endures from generation to generation. So we have our days to hear the Word of God and to choose whether or not we will obey it. And then things go to the next generation until Jesus comes. So from one generation to another, you are God. You are eternally sovereign. You are Lord of all. You are King of kings, Lord of lords. Lord Jesus, you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we praise you and we, we join in that long group of those for these many thousands of years who have confessed Jesus Christ as Lord believed in our heart that you have been raised from the dead and we've seen the change in our own lives. How we pray that you would help us and how we pray you'd help the church to obey and do the work that you've called us to do. <clears throat> so now in these times, Lord, in this opportunity tonight, may the word of God come alive for us. May our minds be removed from distraction and may we truly Focus on your word tonight. Help us to understand what it means for us to obey you 
and to do your will all the days of our life. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, good evening. Good to see all of you. And if you uh, would like to, there's an outline for what I'll be talking about on the table as you came in. And if you'll find your place in Psalm 119 tonight, we're beginning these days to talk about a call, a call to Christian obedience, a call to Christian obedience. So we're going to be talking in the days ahead about the, this very important principle of our obedience to God. And all that that means. And so tonight, last week we looked at uh, uh, the truth of how the Lord Jesus was obedient to God completely. In fact, we, we looked specifically at Hebrews chapter 10, uh, this great, great passage talking about the complete obedience of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'll read it to you again <coughs> as we begin. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 5, Therefore, when he comes into the world, he says, Sacrifice and offering you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. These are the words of the Lord Jesus Christ in Psalm 40, spoken to God the Father in whole burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin. You have, ta <laughs> excuse me, you have, taken, <coughs> excuse me, you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, Behold... I have come in the scroll of the book it is written of me to do your will, O God. Behold, I have come to do your will. And so we, we thought a lot about and talked about in detail about the obedience of the Lord Jesus Christ. You can go back and you can get the outline if you weren't able to be with us, and I hope you will. If you come Wednesdays and you join us, it'll be helpful to you to keep up. The glorious, permanent, eternal, uh, enduring obedience of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not only is He our Lord, He is our example in how to be obedient, how to live in obedience. So tonight I begin with this uh, passage that we have for us tonight, Psalm 119, the longest of all the Psalms. Uh, I believe uh, David is behind Psalm 119. It is... It is uh, the longest psalm, 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet, and each of those little sections that have that word at the top in many of your Bibles, uh, Aleph, Beth, Gimel, Daleth, and tonight Zion is the, uh, is the letter of the Hebrew alphabet. It's an acrostic poem. It's beautiful even in its construction. And so in 119, all of these verses talk about the glory of the Word of God and uh, these, uh, these words also throughout Psalm 119 uh, teach us how we're, to handle our, how we're to handle the Word of God, how we must learn to adore and obey and pay attention and study the Word of God and find in the Word of God our great joy. I remind you that David's talking about the law of God. The law of God. He did not even have both Testaments. He did not have the New Testament just the Old Testament law. And of course, uh, many of these places remind us of this glorious truth. The law of God, as Paul says, is perfect, is holy. It shows us the standard of God's holiness, the measure by which He expects for us to live. So tonight I want us to read these words together and then we'll make some comments about them then I have some general observations. Uh, as we begin to talk about in the days ahead, what does it look like to obey God? 
What, what, how, how are we to understand and live in obedience to God? Prior to reading this, I would just simply say, so if you've come, if you, people, some people I've spoken to these days, sadly, they've been surprised and, uh, that someone they know and love has gotten sick and died. I don't know why that's a surprise that's been going on since time began. The reality is that uh, you and I all here will face, unless the Lord Jesus comes before our death, a time where we will meet God. The question is, when you face the Lord, will you face Him as an obedient Christian or as a disobedient Christian? Or as an outright rebel and lost person without Jesus Christ? What will be the current condition of your life? This is for all of you listening to me also who cannot be with me tonight publicly, presently, physically. This is for everybody here. I've asked myself this question, now I ask it to you. When you end your life, will you end your life having, having been satisfied that you've been as sincere and genuine as you could and you have sought with all of your heart to be obedient to God? Will you die as an obedient Christian or disobedient Christian? That becomes very important for all of us here. David is an example of one who was a man after God's own heart. How would that be? He was a man after God's own heart because he desired the things God desired. He sought to do the will of God. He did not do it perfectly. Paul the Apostle said the same thing at the end of his life. He was not a perfect man. He was an example to us of believing by faith and obeying God and doing the will of God. He says, I finished, I finished what I was supposed to do. I'm asking you tonight, are you live, as you sit here tonight, are you living in obedience to the will of God and to the Word of God? Are you an obedient Christian? Well, that's what these days are all about. It's a call. I'm calling us back just as on Sunday mornings I seek with all my heart to remind us as best I can that the finished work of Jesus Christ is done. We're to preach Christ crucified. We're to focus on the gospel in these days, not all these secondary matters that spin around us, whether they have to do with the government and officials or sickness or other matters in our life. The reality is the most important priority and focus of the church is to advance the gospel. Are we being obedient to doing that as a church at First Baptist Church? Well, we have to answer that together. I'm accountable to God for that, and so are you, if you're a part of this church. And the other part of that is for me then to say, well, if the Lord has given us things to do, then I must be obedient or disobedient. I must either, uh, as uh, what was it the prophet said about the people of his day, they threw, they cast the word of God behind their backs. They just threw it behind them. Didn't matter to them was insignificant. They heard the Word of God. They knew what they were supposed to do, but they cast it behind their back. Are any of us guilty here tonight? The Lord Jesus came and said, Behold, I have come to do your will. That's, that's the language of obedience. And that ought to be the words coming out of your mouth and mine. I will do your will. So we read tonight, remember the word to your servant. 
in which you have made me hope. First, we have this word, Lord, don't forget, don't forget your promises as if God would forget. But it's in the form of a prayer. Don't forget your word to your servant. I have hope in your promises, in your word. This is my comfort in my affliction, that your word has revived me. The arrogant utterly deride me, yet I do not turn aside from your law. I have remembered your ordinances from of old, O Lord, and comfort myself. Burning indignation has seized me because of the wicked who forsake your law. Your statutes are my songs in the house of my pilgrimage. And then our primary focus tonight will be verses 55 and 56. O Lord, I remember your name in the night and keep your law. This has become mine that I observe your precepts. Heavenly Father, bless the reading of your word. And may the Holy Spirit of God be our teacher tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You see words repeated in this psalm. First, verse 49. Remember the word to your servant. I have hope in your word is what he's saying here. First, he calls on God to remember his promises. But then he says in verse 52, I have remembered your ordinances. I've remembered your word. And then he says in verse 55, O Lord, I remember your name in the night. So he remembers the word of God and he also remembers God, the name of God. We discover that in this, there is comfort that comes in this man's life. David is described here as experiencing opposition from the arrogant, verse 51. Excuse me, verse 50, he describes that he has affliction. There's not a person in this room tonight that doesn't experience affliction. Any preaching of the Word of God by preachers that declares you're never going to have a problem is a lie. Afflictions is a part of living in this world. In this world you will have trouble and tribulations, the Lord Jesus said. And this world is filled with them, and it always has been. These current days in which we live are a set of afflictions, but you had them before these current days. Affliction didn't just start last March. The human condition and sinfulness of wicked and arrogant men and women who do not want to follow the Lord Jesus brings great affliction in our lives. Sin brings pain and sadness and sorrow. And even when I seek to live for the Lord Jesus, I must endure affliction so that I might grow in holiness. That's for all of us tonight. This is my comfort in my affliction. What is it? Verse 50. Your word. I hold it up here. This. The blessing of you sitting with me here tonight and we speak, we're looking at this, reading this in our, in our own native language, this English Bible. This is my comfort. This is my comfort in my affliction. You lay in the hospital bed and you can't even get the strength up to pick up your Bible. Have you memorized enough of it that you can 
comfort yourself with the Word of God. See, this is my, this is my concern as the pastor of this church. How much of the Word of God, if all of our Bibles were confiscated, don't laugh and say it couldn't happen. Many parts of the world, Bibles are confiscated and burned. How much of the Word of God would you have in your mind and in your heart? This is my comfort in my affliction, that your Word revives me. Against the arrogant who utterly make fun and mock us, yet I do not, notice verse 51, I do not turn aside from your law. Obedience. I'm going to obey God even when the arrogant mock my faith in God. Verse 52, I have remembered your ordinances from of old. I, your word is ancient. These words that we have, these ancient words... The law given to Moses and then following through and all of the words of the prophets and then the words of the Lord Jesus Christ and what we read in the letters of the apostles given to us. I have remembered your word. Do you remember the word of God? Well, Pastor Mike, I'm old and I don't have a good memory. Do you remember the word of God? I have remembered your word and notice <clears throat> verse 52, comforted myself. <clears throat> the greatest means of comfort that comes in the Christian life. Listen, this is for you. The Holy Spirit of God, the Comforter, is now, if you're saved, dwelling inside of you. I'm amazed how many Christians do not rely and draw upon the comforting, wonderful, comforting assurance and help of the Holy Spirit. And along with that, you know what the Holy Spirit does? He brings the Word of God back to you, and He brings comfort to your life. Lord, remember Your Word. Remember what You've promised me in Your Word. See, He's having a diet. He's, he's praying to God because He's been reading the Word of God, and He's counting on the Word of God to be true, and the promises of God to be true. Remember Your Word to your servant in which I have hope. My hope is based on the promises of God's Word, the words of the Lord Jesus Christ, the great promises of prophecy about the Lord Jesus coming again, all of these things. And my comfort in my affliction is in the Word of God, and I comfort myself. When you need comfort, do you pick up the Word of God? Or to what source do you go? I'm talking to my Christian friends tonight. Burning indignation has seized me because of the wicked. What do, who are the wicked? Well, it's right here. They forsake the law of God. Wickedness is disobedience to the Word of God. Are you listening? We want to somehow look out here to the world and say... Look at all these wicked people. Well, of course, people who are not saved don't obey the Word of God, don't listen to the Word of God, don't care about the Word of God. They reject the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior. They're lost in their sin. They're dead in their sins. I'm talking about those who choose to reject the Word of God and go back into wicked. Wickedness is rejecting and disobeying God. When I disobey God, I am acting in wickedness. Your statutes are my songs in the house of my pilgrimage. 
taking the Word of God along with us on the road of life. Every person in this room is on a pilgrimage. Some of you came here just like me. We've all met in this place by the providence of God. Here we are. What is it? January. What is today? January what? 13th. January 13th. And you're still alive. You continue on the in the house of your pilgrimage. God's still seeking to say something to you if you'll listen to it and not be stubborn and be willing to obey His Word and change your attitudes and change your lifestyle and truly live as an obedient Christian. The Word of God is my song. Here's what I sing, the Word of God, He says. Here's what I take along with me on all the parts of my life, whether I'm a young man or an old man. The young ones in here, you young ones who are in here, I've got news for you. If you stay alive, you're going to be old. And for you old people who are in here, you're older today than you've ever been. Did you see it in the mirror this morning? The house of my pilgrimage... What do I carry with me? What do I have with me? The Word of God. The Holy Spirit of God, the Word of God, I carry along with me on the road, on my pilgrimage. You know, this is a path. This is, we go this way in order to go to the glorious place of heaven. You know that, don't you? You know Dixon's not heaven, right? You know the United States is not heaven. Surely you do. We're on a pilgrimage. We are aliens and strangers in this world. Our guide is the Word of God. Our comfort is the Word of God. Our counselor is the Word of God. Our direction and command is the Word of God. He directs us, gives us direct. Go here, don't go here. Do these things, don't do these things. He warns us. He encourages us from the Word. He directs us. Your Word is a, a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I hide your Word in my heart so that I will not sin against you. Have you been carrying your Bible along the path of life or has it got some dust on it? I used to ask this church a long time ago, <clears throat> can you find your Bible? Do you know where it's at? It's often I see it and perhaps it's, it's not intentional. You drive down the road and sometimes you see people, their Bible thrown up in the back window of their car. Maybe they, that's where they put it so they can get it out. Where's your Bible? Where do you keep the Word of God? How close to your bed is it? How close to your chair is it? Oh, I know where your TV changer is, but where's the Word of God in your life? Your statutes are my songs. And in the house of my pilgrimage. And then he comes... Oh Lord, I remember your name in the night. While I'm on a pilgrimage, nighttime comes, doesn't it? It's dark out there. It's not only dark because we live 
where we live in the time zone we live in at this time of the year, but the world is a dark place. And we're the light of the world. We're the salt of the earth. It's a sad thing when we act like the world rather than lighting up the darkness of the world so that people can find their way to the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh Lord, I remember your name in the night. I remember who you are, is what he says here. And notice what he says. When I remember you in the night, I keep your law. Obedience. And this has become mine, that I observe your precepts. I like the way the New Living Translation reads this last phrase of verse 56. This has become mine that I observe your precepts. It reads, this is how I spend my life, obeying your commandments. Let me say that again. This is how I spend my life, obeying your commandments. Can you say that tonight as a Christian? That your greatest ambition and desire is to live your life, whatever you've got left, obeying God's Word, doing the will of God. Well, our focal truth is clear. Obeying God through His Word is the foundation of Christian obedience. That's what I've just been taking you through and talking about here, just making these comments about these wonderful verses in Psalm 119.49. It is such an urgent matter with me because it is such a sadness that the vast majority even of God's people do not pick up the Word of God. It is not the song on their pilgrimage. They're singing a strange song, not the song of the Word of God. They found other sources of comfort in their affliction beside the Word of God. They have forgotten the Word of God and turned aside from it. They do not remember the ordinances of God. What a sad day it is. But you see, doing God's will as revealed in His Word is at the foundation of Christian obedience. I have come to do your will, said the Lord Jesus Christ. And I must be able to say in my prayer to God, I am willing to do your will, Lord. And the Lord says, good. Pick up the Word of God and read. Pick up the Word of God and read. So we have many things to talk about in detail over the days ahead about Christian obedience. I'm going to spend quite a while on it. We spend most of our time talking about disobedience. We're going to talk about this home. And death comes. You'll answer for either your obedience or disobedience to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so will everyone on this planet. So tonight what I want to do is I want to take these phrases, and I've I've got, my order isn't completely straight. I've neglected to move one thing up a little bit. But anyway, you'll see what I'm going to do. I want to take each of these phrases and use the phrases of verses 55 and 56 to give us eight qualities of Christian obedience. 
And uh, I've given these to you on the outline with a few verses here and there that we might use to fill in the idea that I have around this characteristic. So these eight qualities are, are seen in this prayer David makes to the Lord as he basically says to the Lord, I have committed my life to obey your word. Have you prayed that prayer? That's what David's praying. Number one, Christian obedience is obedience to God. That's, that's this first phrase, O Lord, I remember your name in the night. And we've talked much about the name of God. We spent months talking about how great is our God. We looked at the character, characteristics of God's perfections. We looked at His very nature. We looked at the way in which He acts and responds to us. His name, His name. What did the Lord say of himself to Moses. The Lord, the Lord, compassionate, slow to anger, merciful, showing loving kindness to thousands. And he went on describing his name. The name of God is always known by the work of God and what he does. Our God has revealed himself through the Lord Jesus Christ. Now we know what did the Lord Jesus say? If you have seen me, you have seen the Father, the unseen God, the only true God. If you've seen me, you've seen the only true God. For I and the Father are one. God in flesh, the Lord Jesus Christ demonstrated for us. That's why His name is above every name. In His name there is glory. I remember your name in the night. I wonder in the nighttime, do you ever think about the Lord Jesus? Are you ever caught up in wonder and amazement at the Lord Jesus Christ who saved you? Who has demonstrated for us how to live? You see, Christian obedience is obedience to God. And more specifically for us, it is obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ. If you'll confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord, that means He's the boss. If you'll confess with your mouth Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you'll be saved. You see, the confession of every believer is Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He is Lord. That means He gives the direction. He gives the guidance. He gives the words. And we're to obey the Lord Jesus Christ. Christian obedience is obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ. Hebrews 6.10, For God is not unjust so as to forget your work and the love which you have shown toward His name. Notice, it's interesting the way Paul phrases it in Hebrews 6. I have the verse here written for you. He's describing and reminding these Jewish Christians, these Hebrew Christians who were about to give up because it was hard to live for the Lord in their generation. He says, look, God has not unjust. He's not forgotten what you're doing in ministering to other people and still ministering to the saints, even in your pain and your trouble. But he says it in an interesting way. God has not forgot your work and the love which you have shown toward His name. You see, when I love the Lord, what did the Lord say? When I love Him, I'll do what He says. I know your deeds, Revelation 3, to one of the churches the Lord Jesus says in Revelation. I know your deeds. By the way, the Lord notes the deeds of First Baptist Church, good and bad. Behold, I have put before you an open door which no one can shut. 
because you have little power, please notice, and have kept my word and have not denied my name. It doesn't take great power to obey. It just takes some power. And it is the commitment to not deny the name of the Lord. I obey the Lord Jesus Christ in all things. I obey the will of God even when no one else will obey the will of God. In my family, among my friends, at my job, I will obey God. At the heart of obedience is obedience. It's obedience to God. Obedience is to someone. Obedience implies that someone's in charge. So tonight I ask you, if you say, Lord Jesus, if you speak the name Lord as you pray, that means that you're obeying Him. And the Lord knows whether we obey Him. Number two, Christian obedience is devoted obedience. I remember your name in the night. Devotion. There is a devotedness that goes with obedience. Devotion. There is a devotion to obedience. If I do not know what the Word of God says, I cannot obey the Word of God. Therefore, I must read the Word of God, study the Word of God, apply the Word of God to my own life in order that I might know how to obey God. Devotion to the Word of God and to reading and studying, memorizing, meditating, hearing the Word of God becomes the first primary responsibility of every Christian. We do it down to the smallest of children here. We are committed to teaching our boys and girls, your grandchildren and children, and those from the community who come, and teenagers, and all of us adults, to go to the Word of God first. We spend much time in the Word of God. Devotion, I remember your name in the night. This is a phrase of devotion. He's describing his obedience to God I'd give you some other examples here from Psalm 119. I have chosen the faithful way. I have placed your ordinances before me. You see, it's devotion. Your word I have treasured in my heart that I might not sin against you. It's devotion to the word of God. These words are special words. The Lord Jesus said, if you love me, you keep my commandments. Christian obedience is, first of all, to God and specifically to the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, God the Father is pleased when we love and honor and glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. Christian obedience glorifies God. I remember your name in the night. What did Peter say in 1 Peter 2.12? Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles. The point is, in the world today, have excellent behavior among lost people. Show excellence in the way you live. Excellence in speech. Don't join into all of this. Don't join into all of the bad examples of, by the way, old people who know a lot better and their mamas taught them a lot better how to show respect to one another. Make your, make your behavior excellent among the Gentiles. What does Peter say here? So that in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers... They may, because of your good works that they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. What are these good works? That's obedience. I obey God and I do good works toward others, not evil works. So Christian obedience is obedience to God. It is devoted obedience. It glorifies obedience. Christian obedience glorifies God. 
Let your light shine so that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who's in heaven. Isn't that what the Lord Jesus called us all to do as Christians? Yes. Letting your light shine is another way of describing obedience. I must obey God in a dark world. And when I'm obeying God, there's a light around me. I stand out. There's a uniqueness to me like salt. I'm not like the rest of the people. I don't do what they do. I seem to be following a different master. Yes, that's what the world needs today. That's what the next generations of children need to see. They need some examples of godly Christian obedience. Christian obedience is committed obedience. Notice he says now, Oh Lord, I remember your name in the night and keep your law. If we're reading this, excuse me, in Hebrew it is a present tense verb. I am keeping your law. Are you committed to obey God? Psalm 119, 17, deal bountifully with your servant that I may live and keep your word. That's, that ought to be our prayer. Lord, deal with me in the, right, in the gracious way you must so that I can do this. Not have happiness and have a big house over here and just I can have all these things I want to have. Be gracious to me that I might live and keep your word. Give me understanding that I may observe your law and keep it with all my heart. That's a commitment. I'm going to keep the Word of God with all my heart. And sometimes people talk to me and say, Pastor Mike, I try to obey God's Word, but I fail. Of course we do. We're not perfect. But there is a genuineness. I'm going to speak of this in a moment. A sincerity that God knows in our heart. He knows we are but dust, my friends. But is there in your heart a desire to keep God's word with all of your heart? The Lord Jesus said, He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and will disclose myself to him. If you keep my commandments, you abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Obeying God, obeying the Lord Jesus Christ is committed obedience. I'm going to do it. With all my heart. Oh Lord, I, re- I remember your name in the night and keep your law. You know, you can't pray lies to God. <clears throat> David, uh, God knows whether David's telling the truth here, but he's saying this with integrity. I'm trying to obey your law. I remember you in the night and I keep obeying you. I think about you and I seek to obey you. Christian obedience is personal obedience. This has become mine, he says, verse 56. This has become mine. In other words, this is my practice. This is the way I live. This is how I spend my life. If someone's going to say anything about me and talk about me, what will they describe me as being? They'll describe me as being a man or woman who obeys God. A man or woman, a father or mother... A brother or sister, a friend, a workmate who obeys God. A church member, a deacon, a preacher who obeys God. This has become mine. It is a matter of personal 
obedience. For I have kept the ways of the Lord, and I have not wickedly departed from my God. For all His ordinances were before me, and I did not put away His statutes from me. This has become mine. Personal obedience. You see, again, this is our responsibility. He's declaring His own responsibility to obey God. And so must all of us. He's sincere about it. I observe your precepts, he says. Last phrase of verse 56. Uh, over in Psalm 119.97, there's a whole other section. Uh, I'm going to elaborate here in just the next verses on this. If you have it, Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all my days. It's sincerity. I want to know the Word of God. I want to know more, more and more. I want to spend more time in God's Word so that I might seek to obey Him fully in my life. And you discover this in your life, my friend, just like I do. The more I'm in the Word of God, the more the Holy Spirit takes the truths of God's Word and helps me on my pilgrimage to heaven to know how to live, how to speak, how to share, how to walk with God. It's a sincere, personal obedience. This has become mine. What? I have a lifestyle. I spend my life to obey your commands. <clears throat> Christian obedience is persistent. It's back to this phrase here, to observe your commands. Notice what he says uh, following here, Psalm 119, 100 through 102. Just follow the phrasing if you have your Bible open. I understand more than the aged. Because notice, I have observed, past tense, your precepts. Verse 101, I have re restrained my feet from every evil way, that I may keep your word, and I have not turned aside from your ordinances, for you yourself have taught me. See, there's persistence in obedience. I must endure in my obedience. I shall not be ashamed when I have respect to all your commandments. You see, Here's this commitment that David makes further on. I've just read from these verses, Psalm 119, 100 to 102. He observes God's Word, he obeys God's Word, and he has understanding beyond the aged. You know, there are a lot of old people who don't know and don't have the wisdom of God. Just because you're old doesn't mean you have God's wisdom. There are a lot of old people who don't, do not live by the wisdom of God. They've got worldly wise wisdom, some of them. Worldly wide foolishness, many of them. But just because you're old doesn't make that you mean that you have godly wisdom. Here we have an example. Obedience as a young man can make you wiser than a lot of old men. Because you obey God. I think we saw that in Daniel. I think we saw that in Joseph. I think we saw many examples of that. I think we saw it in Timothy. Don't let anyone look down on your youthfulness. Be an example to those who believe. In other words, obey God. I have, not, I have restrained my feet from every evil way. 101, verse 101. I have restrained my feet. Oh, all of us like sheep have gone astray. Why? Sid's over here having to build bigger fences because those cows keep wanting to get out. And what do we do? We just, our feet take us places and we look up someday and we think, how did I get here? Why have I gone so far away from God? 
I have restrained my feet from every evil way. Why? That I might obey God's word. That's verse number 101. That's the testimony. That's the, I, 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 every day of my life I seek to say, as a Christian, we all must say, I'm going to kill my flesh so that I might not, I'm going to restrain myself in my sinful ways so that I might obey God. I have not turned aside from your ordinances, for you have taught me. To be taught by God and to turn away from what God teaches you, what a great offense to God. Christian obedience is comforting obedience. I, I pointed this out to you before. Verse 50, this is my comfort in my affliction that your word revives me. Verse 52, I have remembered your ordinances from of old, O Lord, and comfort myself. Here's another way to say it. I look at the Word of God and think about how many generations have come before me who are now in heaven who were comforted by the very words that I'm comforted by in my generation. <clears throat> Here we have this strange phrase, this unusual phrase, uh, this is mine that I observe your precepts. I put it here in another way of reading it. I had the comfort of keeping your law because I kept it. There's another way to say this. You know what, you know what, really, you know what really will give you peace of mind, my friend? When you obey God, no matter what it costs. When you obey God. No matter what it costs, you want peace of mind? This is mine. What? Peace of mind. This is mine. Joy in the Holy Spirit. This is mine. Increasing in grace. This is mine. Being strong and being able to endure. This is mine. Comfort. There is great comfort in obeying God. <clears throat> Psalm 119, 98. Your commandments make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever mine. What? What's ever mine? Your commandments. You have something, my dear brother, sister in Christ, that you must not turn away from. You must cherish it. You must treasure it. And it is the Word of God that teaches you how to do the will of God. And that starts by being saved, and then it leads on through your whole pilgrimage until God takes you to heaven. Jeremiah 15, 16, Your words were found, and I ate them. And your words became for me a joy and the delight of my heart. Well, what do we need to remember tonight as we finish? <clears throat> How do we apply all of this that we've looked at <clears throat> in some detail from these verses? Well, number one, calling Jesus Christ Lord expresses a sincere commitment to obey Him. Many will say to me in that day, wait a minute. I know who's here on Wednesday night. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, did we not? And the Lord will say, depart from me. Does the Lord really know you when you say Lord? Does the Lord really know you as you say Lord? Those who are saved obey the Lord who saved them. It's the fact of it. What do, what do we have? Our dear brothers. Our dear, our dear brothers taught us this. Uh, uh, the pastors and uh, Patty, we were having our staff meeting uh, 
this week and uh, I just was thinking about this and the amazing difference in the life of Peter after God got a hold of him. And you remember they told him after they healed the man at the temple who's over 40 years old, oh, they couldn't do this. All the religious leaders said, do not speak in the name of Jesus Christ anymore. Do not speak in his name. And what did Peter say? Whatever, whether it is right in the sight of God to give heed to you rather than to God, you be the judge. For we cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. They threatened them some more, and then they let them go. But they observed about them, there was a boldness about them, and they recognized they'd been with Jesus. Peter got it right when he was filled with the Holy Spirit. I'll get it right when I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. So will you. You see, those who are saved obey the Lord Jesus Christ who saved them. And what did Peter say? Well, they went to the, they went to the temple to pray. They ended up healing a man, giving glory to God, being attacked, being threatened, being, being beaten. And then they went back to the church. And what did the church do? They prayed. And the place was shaken, and you know what they asked the Lord to do? Give us boldness to speak in the name of Jesus Christ. That ought to be the prayer of the church on January 13th, 2021. Speak up, speak out, and give glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. The world needs to hear it. Obedience to God expresses our love for God. We often laugh about this. Men will say, well, you know, my boss at home. Yes, that's right. You do know it. At least you've got it right. The Lord is your first boss and your wife is the second boss. At least you know you've got it right. So do I. But you see, when you love somebody, you want to obey them. That's why I always tell those young men when we have marital counseling, and they start talking about what all they're going to tell their wives to do. I said, look, the two things that will save you a lot of trouble in your life, if you'll just say them regularly, is this, yes, Lord, and yes, dear. If you'll do that, God will help you. Obedience to God expresses our love for God. Lord, I love you, therefore I will do whatever you tell me to do. Okay, Mike, I don't want you doing that anymore. Here it is in the Word of God. You know, Pick, pick what you want. God is well pleased with those who obey Him. And... When we obey God, there ought to be coming from our heart. This is what David was trying to say. Sincerity and love and continuance. So ask yourself tonight, as I started, I asked the question, I end with it. Are you living as an obedient Christian? Only you can answer that. I love you in the Lord Jesus. I'm seeking to be your pastor. I have to ask myself the same question. Tonight, today, did I seek to live in obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ in my words, in my thoughts, in my decisions and priorities about the future, in what I plan to do, in my plans and all my schedules, at my job, with my husband or wife, my grandchildren, children? Am I living as a Christian, <clears throat> obedient Christian, and do other people see me and the obedience in my life? And what then do you need to do if you're not obeying the Lord? In other words, what does the Holy Spirit reveal to you about your disobedience? 
It might be something you've disobeyed God about for a long time. Why will you continue to disobey God? How long will you have to wait? Remember, disobedience to God is wickedness toward God. And finally, honor the Lord in complete obedience to His will for your life. Oh, the joy. You know, it's like this, friend. Whoever remains obedient to God will always be blessed. The greatest of blessing is this. I have come to do your will. So what did the Lord Jesus teach us to pray? Our Father who's in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come and your... That's it, isn't it? So tonight I go home and I think about the Lord's name in the night and I say, you are holy and your will be done in my life for whatever days I have in this in my home, at my job, in all my relationships, in the church, and in the United States of America, and in the world. We pray that God's will would be done and that we would be obedient to His will. Thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you. And for all of you who have joined us tonight, God bless you. We look for the time when you'll be back. We pray for those of you who are sick. We know you're troubled and having a hard time. We miss you. We love you. We hope that you know that from our cards, our texts, our calls, everything that we all try to do. And uh, we pray for the days when we're restored to our opportunity to be together in a new day. But for now, this is what the Lord has for us, so we do it without complaint. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the Word of God. We thank you tonight. Oh, how wonderful David's words are. They warm our heart. This is my comfort in my affliction that your word has revived me. O Lord, I remember your name in the night and keep your law. This has become mine, that I observe your precepts. May this be, may this be my testimony all the days of my life. And may it be the testimony of all of these who hear me tonight and a growing number of our others who are part of our church. To the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week. Say hello to one another. And Lord willing, see you on Sunday. Have a good day. Have a good evening.